you would try to find different ways to um, make yourself seem okay. Like something you're like, that will make me happy. This will make me happy. And you keep searching for it. There isn't anything beside you making yourself happy, you know? And so, um, you know, just things like that was happening. And I honestly, like, I was just done. I just didn't want to live anymore. Um, it's, it was just hard. And, um, when you go back to think about it, you just realize how bad you were and that part sucks, you know, and I was just, I was just so down. I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I feel like I, I, you know, I stayed home that year after Cassius was born and I was going crazy. I just, I needed something. I didn't have anything. Um, I was overweight. I mean, there was just, it was just hard during that time. Thriving Podcast, where we celebrate those who have overcome great adversity and trauma and examine the tools and techniques by which people grow and create lives that feel like thriving. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak, and today I'm so excited to be talking to longtime friend, mother of four, uh, a member of our online communities uh, with the Facebook groups, and if you've listened to previous episodes of the podcast, her spouse, Chad Myers, was a, a guest on our podcast as well. Today, I'm talking with Jade Myers, one of the very first people I met when I moved to Colorado from Florida. Welcome, Jade. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so I was very excited for this. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I'm yeah. good. It's yeah. Friday, so that's, that's this probably... Uh, podcast won't be released until next week but for everybody watching on Monday sorry it's Friday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's and, uh, so so Jade what I wanted to do is when I was um, I mean I've obviously known you since about 2016 is when we first met yeah. and um, and I know a little bit about your life and about your story mm-hmm. um, but when I had chat on the podcast you know, you you and your story and your situation came up a lot too, and your resilience and your strength. And I think just from the three of us having a friendship. So um, what I like to do is have you just kind of talk to people about who you are and and, um, where you are now and um, talk about as much as you want to your story of where you came from and how you got to this point. Okay. In any order you like, in any way that seems to make sense to you, but Let's just get to know Jade Myers. Okay. Um, I kind of, I mean, the story 
starts from the beginning, uh, like all stories do. But I'm going to go into a few things. Um, I struggled with postpartum depression um, badly. And that was back in 2016, 2017 timeframe. Um, and then as my journey continued, as it comes down, I'll talk more about mostly in my past year because um, the past year I was diagnosed as bipolar, bipolar 2 disorder. Um, and so I also have PM, I think it's called PMDD and it's like premenstrual dysphoria disorder as well. And sometimes those two just don't go good together at all because one medication makes you all the way over here and um, or, or you're down. So anyways, I'm going to talk about those things because um, they're most recent that's happened for me. Sure. Um, but going back to 2016, um, by 2016, I had three kids. Um, they ranged from Zeke was, how old was Zeke? Know how old Zeke was. 2016, I'm going to say that was like, Zeke was probably six or seven. He's about Johan's age, right? Yeah, he was six yeah. or seven. Zenobia was two. Mm -hmm. And then um, Vinny was one. So it was at the fit right around the beginning of that year. Um, and by the time I had the IUD in, um, after we had Finney in 2015, we're like, I think that that's it for us. We're not going to have any more kids. And so I had the IUD in and everything seemed fine. <laughs> and come December after Thanksgiving, I was feeling just, I was feeling awful. I was throwing up. Um, I was just like, man, this feels like when I was pregnant before. I'm like, I have the IUD. There's no way I can be pregnant. Like, I'm good. And then, lo and behold, <clears throat> took a pregnancy test and it said I was pregnant. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> there's no way. Um, and I ended up being pregnant. Um, and honestly, like, it started from that day. Like, the day I found out I was pregnant, it was instantly like, what the hell am I going to do? No. There's going to be four kids now and four kids under the age of six, like, that sounds hard. You yeah. know, I already had um, my two daughters close together. They're 14 months apart. So, and then my oldest was um, four years from Zenobia. So right now the age range is they're 12. Today's Zenobia's birthday, so she's eight. <laughs> and, yeah, and uh, six and four. <clears throat> but you know, there's so many, there's so many times that women are having kids that close together and your body never gets a chance to heal. No. You just keep adding on those years for you to be able to, for your body to heal mentally, physically, everything. Um, <clears throat> and so from that day, from that day on, I, um, I knew I wasn't okay. I just knew I was, my body hurt. I was miserable. I felt terrible. This was um, finding out I was pregnant. It was just six months out from when I had knee surgery. Like my body just wasn't prepared to do that again. And, but nobody ever is really, you know, <clears throat> but, 
And so going through that whole process, it was just, you know, you just went through the days, you're pregnant, you're hormonal, you have a one and two year old and a six year old, you know, lots, lots happening right in the moments. Um, after Cassius is born, things, you know, you're excited, the new a baby boys here. Um, and then as as that started to go, I breastfed for a little bit. And slowly after I stopped, um, I was still stressed out, but then it just kept going downhill from there. Um, I just, I would be stressed about everything. I would snap at stupid things. You know, I can't even think of what they are because they have that much, no significance, you know. Um, <clears throat> I was angry at the kids. I was angry at Chad. You would try to find different ways to um, make yourself seem okay. Like something you're like, that will make me happy. This will make me happy. And you keep searching for it. There isn't anything besides you making yourself happy, you know? And so, um, you know, just things like that was happening. And I honestly, like, I was just done. I just didn't want to live anymore. Um, it's it was just hard yeah. and um when you go back to think about it you just realize how bad you were and that part sucks, you know, and I was just, I was just so down. I just didn't know, I didn't know what to do. I feel like I, I, you know, I stayed home that year after Cassius was born and I was going crazy. I just, I needed something. I didn't have anything. Um, I was overweight. I mean, there was just, it was just hard during that time. And so, there is this movie I watched and it's called When a Bow Breaks and it talks about women who have postpartum depression, they have psychosis, like a lot of women in there are pretty, all different spectrums of what's happening. And like one of the parents, um, woman in that show, she had psycho psychosis, I believe, and she ended up killing her daughter because she just, you know, she was just, she lost it um and she was telling her story throughout this show and then another woman she still struggles with postpartum depression and she's her kid's like eight years old like there's something something to be said like having to go through all like yeah. like what's going on you know and um and then the other woman just a lot of postpartum depression different scenarios and it was very it's how I describe it is not doing it justice because if you watch that movie it was so eye-opening of like what's what's going on um and then you feel like oh I'm not the only person like um you just think about that too but that was the, after watching that movie, I, I didn't know how to talk to Chad. I didn't know how to tell my husband, like, I'm just not doing good, you know? And some men responses, it'll be okay. Like, this is just, 
that time. You'll get through it. We'll be okay. And it just never felt like it was going to be okay. Then after watching that movie, I asked Chad to watch it. And after he watched it, he was like, oh, like, shit, this is pretty eye-opening, you know, like the feelings and the thoughts and you just, you know, it sucks. But like during those times, you like hate your kids because you're miserable. So then you're trying some, finding something to hate yeah. and they're there. So that's easy for you. Um, and the kids are just hard. They're wild and they're hard. Um, but anyways, after that, then I started, um, Chad had gotten me into jujitsu at Prime and that's where I, I met you before that. But, um, but that's where I was with there for a while. And um, I started doing that and it just, I don't think it was right for me at the time. It just wasn't what I was looking for. And so I started doing some other things and then I started doing kickboxing. Um, that was like my focus. And that's from, you know, I think it was June. Was it? Yeah, it was like June timeframe before Cassius had turned one. Um, I had been starting going. And so I was going almost five days a week. Like I just got addicted to it. Um, there was a little group of us that were do it. And so it helped for a while. You know, it helped for a while focusing on those things and having a goal. Um, and it was just, it was going good. You know, things were still hard up and down, but it was a new focus I had. And I think that took away from what was going on. Um, and then after that, um, Chad, Chad went away to go to JCAC. And so that was like January of 19. Mm -hmm. 18. 18. I don't remember. No, 19. That was of 19. Yeah. That was and, when he was in Pensacola down. Yeah. Pensacola. Yeah, that was 19. Yeah, 19. And so um he went to Pensacola that February timeframe. And so I had done um a, I had done a Muay Thai tournament. And that was fun experience. I won my first fight that I did. Um, and so that was exciting to see the progress I made from there. Um, but Chad was going to be gone from February to um, September. And we had thrown around the idea of moving. So anyways, we moved. I, we moved. The kids and I went down there to stay with Chad while he was going through school. And then we're going to see where we're going to go after that. Um, while I was down there, I just got worse. Um, it's like it went from here and I just flipped because then I just had myself. Chad was gone um, almost every day because you're doing you're doing um, study sessions before. Um, and so that was just hard being there with the kids are still younger, one, three, four, and I think Zeke's eight now this time. Um, and so it's just a lot with going somewhere new and doing those things and going to the beach is not easy, <laughs> as you know. Yeah, with kids, I, I was like, who does this? This is terrible. Yeah. Bringing all your stuff. Um, the pack mule walking off to the beach. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you buy a wagon and you realize, oh, there's sand wagons. <laughs> 
you know um and so anyways when I was there um there are days that I would just lay around all day and that's not like me like I'm the type of person where I can't stop moving I'm just doing stuff all the time I would call friends and just talk about how sad I am and I'm not sure I'm not sure if this is a good idea that we came to Florida you know just being very lonely I don't know if I made the right choice because Chad was so busy um and then then later um I would think about I just got more and more and more depressed I didn't have anybody to connect with um I was only with the kids the, all the time, 24-7. And the only time was when my parent, you know, family came to visit and friends. But it got to the point, though, where I was just so done. I would, I would think of scenarios. Where could I kill myself? Um, how could I do it? so that nobody found me, so the kids wouldn't see it. Like, that was a scenario that I went through constantly and they just didn't stop and um however hard you wanted them to they didn't and that like from there it's like man what's going like what's I'm going backwards again I don't know what to do um and so then then I would like try to take the edge off so then Chad's like well how about how about you have a drink that might make you less stressed you know so then then you're doing that and then that starts to become a habit you're just doing it more often every night instead of it was I wasn't drinking hardly at all and then all of a sudden I was doing it every night um and then then you would come and go be done with it and then we moved by September of 19, we're moving back to Colorado. Um, <clears throat> coming back to Colorado was, I went back to my old job, went back to Rocky Mountain Montessori. Um, and then Chad had started a new job at Shriver. We were buying a house. Um, we just had a lot of things happening during that time. And then you know, it was hard. It's hard to remember, like, now, like, what years are going by, because I feel like during some of the times you just lack out, because you just don't want to see what it, what's going on. Um, and so, even coming back, like, I, right now, I don't remember what we were doing, like, were we going to a gym, or what was going on during that time. Um, I know Chad went to Gracie Baja for a little bit. Yeah. I went there for a little, yeah, that's right, because then it goes into 20, yeah, we started going there for a little bit more, mm -hmm. and then, um, and then by March, COVID hit, and then everything changed, you know, for everybody, yeah. and um, I, I didn't have to stay home, because I worked at, had the school I worked at, childcare license, so we stayed open the entire time, um, and after we stayed open, um, I mean, that was my focus. I was doing that. I was directing there. I was a teacher in the elementary classroom. Um, I just had a lot of stuff going on. And I think I would just 
find my focus and that was my new focus it used to be kickboxing and now it was work and if it had anything to do with work my everything was there you know what I mean and it got to the point where I was like choosing work over family time like oh no I can't do that I have to get it done at work I have to do that for work it was always work you know um and by that summer you know, starting in March, um, by April, I started not feeling good again. Um, and yes, that's okay. I started not feeling good again. And then I find out, um, I've missed a part after I had my tubes tied after Cassius was born in October. Um, I had very heavy periods. They were so heavy that I would have just clots and it was constantly, and I had that up until the summer of 2020. <clears throat> and so I um, I was anemic, which came to found out by April and May of 2020. I was anemic. I had already been anemic before. Um, I was anemic a year before that, actually, before I was getting ready to fight um, in that tournament. And I was anemic again. So I was just feeling, you're just tired and emotional like I don't know like how how do people when you start to hit anemia do you have a definition of how they start to feel or yeah I mean it's just yeah it's like everything has a lot of inertia right like it's there's a lot of weight you carry around and then that gets exhausting and so yeah. people get what they call anhedonia right like just nothing makes there's no joy nothing brings them yes. happiness right it's not even it's like it's not even accurate to call it sadness because you're not sad about anything it's yeah. a lack of happiness it's just yeah you know, yeah, yeah. It feels like you're doing everything with like a weight vest on yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly and then um by yeah. that time you know that's that's summer 2020 um, <clears throat> I'm going through that. So I'm anemic and then I have a few infusions done in June. Um, and when I have those done it, you know, you do, I think two of them. And that just seems to like boost me back up because I've always tried the iron pills and every time I've tried them, I just throw up. I don't know what it is. I can't take that pill. And so it just makes it, it's just hard. Right. Um, but during that summertime, I mean, I was still miserable. Um, I had already talked to the gynecologist, gynecologist about different options, like, should I get a hysterectomy? Um, there was a few other things you could do. Could I have an ablation done? Just the heavy periods of it and how mentally I felt. I just couldn't, I, like, it was just another thing, you know? And I wanted it to go away. <clears throat> and then... So after we started talking in June, you know, I told her how around my periods, like a lot of these things I'm saying, these are like reoccurrences every month, like what I went through. So like around my periods, I was just angry. I was just angry all the time. I was snapping at everybody. Um, it just, it just didn't stop. Hold on. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
but um trying to think oh in June I went to the gynecologist and um she prescribed me some I think it was serotonin yeah ser not serotonin um maybe that is serotonin for PMDD I think it's serotonin um and so she um described that or prescribed that for me so I started taking that oh I went from zero I mean I I probably thought I was at like a 10 or something, one to 10. And then I went from zero to a thousand. I was crazy. Like I was, I was even worse. I was me. Shut the door. Don't let the dog in. Turn it down, okay? Um, I was just crazy. They, I remember flipping out on Chad. Like I was just ready to get up and leave. And, and that's how it was all the time. That's all I would ever say every time, every month. I'm leaving something. I was some, I was being so many dramatics, you know, poor Chad. Um, and then after that, I, I ended up having the ablation done. Um, and that was in the end of July. So I had the ablation done. Um, you know, you take, takes up to like six, six or more months to see, if it works or if it doesn't work or what's going on with it. Um, and then after I had, sorry. No, you're okay. Hi, Cassius. <laughs> um, so I had the ablation done and after talking to the doctor about the medication for PMDD, she realized like, oh, that's not really working for you. And I said, maybe I can go talk to a therapist or go to a psychiatrist. Like there's, I need something else, you know? Um, Cause the medicine she prescribed didn't work. And I was like, I'm not doing anything else again until I talk to somebody. And so um, I ended up talking to somebody at North Spring Psychiatry cause they've done great things for me. Um, and I had a therapist and then I talked to the psychiatrist, talking to her from start to beginning about um, how I was in high school versus how I was when I had my first child. Because even Ezekiel, he's 12 now. So I was 22 when he was born. Um, and even after he was born, I go back and it's like you realize how how like crazy you were then too like you couldn't handle anything what was happening and so um she talked about the psychiatrist that some of these things don't come to light until after um something's happened you've had a child like different life circumstances and um and so that's what she talked about with the bipolar disorder and then from there um everything changed the whole last past year you know mm -hmm. um it's been it's been a ride so after that they start you on medicine lamictal um and that medicine's used for seizures or a mood yeah. disorder so i started um taking that well with that medicine you have to do small increments um, otherwise, you can have really bad side effects, a rash, severe rash, death, different types of things. So 
every time you go up in medicine, you would go up every two weeks. Well, every two weeks, this was August 2020, where I started the medicine. Um, every two weeks, you're just, you got used to the medicine, then you put in, then you go up, and then you, it felt like I was just in a manic episode for months, where I just didn't, I didn't know what I was doing, poor choices, no. you know, just weird stuff. Um, I still had the depression though, you know, still with increasing the medicine. I still had depression. I still had the suicidal thoughts. Um, I, I genuinely, gosh, this, I genuinely just still, I didn't want to live. I would always say to one of my friends at work, and I'll, she would talk about stuff. And I'm like, well, if I make it that long, she's like, you got to stop saying that. But I meant it, you know, that whole summer. It's what I'm like, man, I just don't have any. I have no joy. Yeah. I still feel like I don't have that joy still. Um, but anyways, um, so you do all the med, you know, you keep going, medicine increases, talking to it. Um the therapist to help you through all those different things. Um, so it was a lot of helpful tools and how to handle certain situations. And, you know, with learning from the therapist, one of the things was that I was the yes person. I would say yes to anybody. I would, my, my happiness didn't matter. It was everybody else's happiness. What can I do for someone else? And so, um, you know, still going through those medicine increases. I think those stopped by January, the medicine increases that we were having. And um, and so by that time, um, you know, I had started pushing people out of my life because it was it was too hard to say no. It was too hard to say no to people. So then you started pushing people out. I still like they don't ask anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, you know, I pushed out a like one of my, she still is, but I pushed out one of my best friends mm -hmm. and I didn't know if we were ever going to be friends again. I was just so overwhelmed by everybody. I was just stunned. I didn't mm -hmm. want to talk to anybody. I didn't want to see anybody. Um, it was just rough. It was rough. Um, and so by March time, I was going through this phase where it was just Chad and I were focusing on each other. Um, I just pretty much pushed everybody out. I just didn't yeah. want to see anybody, didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, and then, you know, going, still talking to psychiatrists and stuff, someone had told me I don't remember who has told me about ketamine treatments. They had mentioned it before. <clears throat> and so I had asked, you know, like, is there a way that I can, I can do that? Like, is it an option? Is it, and can I do pill form or is it this way? Um, it was another psychiatrist who had recommended it to me from another practice. So but, I think that that might've been me. Yeah. <laughs> that talked to me a lot about yeah, that probably was it. about the ketamine treatment. Yeah. And so that was you. And <laughs> and um since 
I started ketamine in March of 21. Yes. And that the depression thoughts have gone away. Yeah. Uh, not the, the suicidal thoughts. Right. The suicidal thoughts, the depression. I mean, it really has, it really has changed. Um, can you go open the door, Cassius? Can you go open the door? Um, it's just changed how that, those feelings that I've been having. Um, you can open it, Ben. And that went away, but st I'm still, I'm still struggling. You know, I'm still struggling with finding finding that joy I don't feel like I have joy mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure like is that my medicine or is it me you know I'm st I still feel like I have so much right. to work on and it comes and goes in waves where you're okay and then you're not okay um, a few months ago I was I was just on the edge of being anemic again so you know I don't know if it's other things happening but yeah and and it's and that's sort of you know i think that's the reality of living right like i, I it's we're always works in progress right we're never yeah. and it's like you have to you have to first manage what's most threatening right and the depression the suicidal thoughts and you know um tendencies that are compromising family connections right those things have to be managed first yeah I mean, you can't be searching for joy or figuring out how to have joy when yeah. suicidal you know on a regular basis but then you know there's also a lot that goes into it it's you know that's the thing anemia is a great example right like a lot of people in the mental health world and and just in general you know, want to say, well, you know, you just kind of like switch your thinking and focus on gratitude. And I'm all about focusing on gratitude. But if you're iron depleted, you know, if you're, if you're legitimately dehydrated or malnourished in some way, you're just not going to feel good. Like that's, that's a foundational piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. So. Yeah. So, so what stands out to me a lot, Jade, is having known you. I mean, we've had, you know, times where we see each other and then periods of time where we don't. Obviously, we were in Pensacola and whatnot. But um, back in 2016, you know, talking about how depressed you were at that point and, and you got, you know, I appreciate your authenticity, and your courage, because you got very emotional here talking about it. But no one... I, I don't think anyone would have known back then. You know, you looked like a superwoman. You always seemed happy. And I knew, I knew you weren't because Chad, I'm like Chad's private psychology Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> he would just grab me and be like, hey. You know? <laughs> but so I knew that there were things going on both for you and for him. Yeah. Um, but when we would get together, you would never know. Yeah. And there was part of me at like back then that was wondering like, like am I just a wimp? Because when I'm depressed, like I can't put on a show like you did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, she must be handling this depression really well. Like she's <laughs> amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. But, but the difference, you know, is like just in this few minutes today, even over Zoom and not in person, watching you tear up about it and have some emotion about it feels closer, right? It feels more connected than it did back then where I kind of knew stuff was going on, but every time we saw you and you and Chad are people I love, but yeah. it just felt like there was like, there was like a wall up, you know, <laughs> and, and yeah. you couldn't reach through it, you know? I just didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And uh, during that time too, I know Tiffany had told me, you know, you should go see a therapist. Like you should go talk to this person. Um, And so I always thought of it, but I never, I never chose to like seek the help. Right. You know, and it wasn't until I like had reached like I got nothing left to fix yeah. me. You know, um, I think thankfully now it's not as um, it's not like nobody wants to know about mental health issues. I know sometimes it still affects people in different fields, but um, I think it's good that people now are being more open to it or like seeking it more you know a lot of things I think people are looking up to is like their diet like that's something I had to change for myself too um like after I had Cassius my cortisol level I had no cortisol I'd wake up with nothing yeah and my inflammation was double what it should be I had high cholesterol like I was just oh my gosh bad you know and then um and now I still struggle with certain things like you know if I have if I have too much sugar I like go into a spiral you know and I think that's the hard part what thing I'm struggling with right now is finding the right foods that aren't going to put me in a in a bad mental state because that's and I think I'm getting terrified of it because it's like, I don't want to be crazy today. <laughs> right, you yeah. know, like, I don't want to suffer from that the next day. Mm. But, but like you said, too, I did put on a front. I made it look like everything was okay, but I had my shit together. <laughs> yeah. But I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just shared a thing on Facebook recently, just this week, I think. Uh that said um admitting you don't have your shit together is the new having your shit together yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's funny (laughs) (laughs) so yeah nobody's got it all together right and that's that's the bit of it right is um so i'm i'm curious are you um at all familiar with the aces study i don't think so okay so um, just for the benefit of the people who are listening and watching, like I, I was, you know, before we started this podcast, I knew much of what you talked about because you and I first met in 2016. So having started there, I was around for a good chunk of it. And most of it I heard through Chad, right? Yeah. Uh, but but I, I was aware of it. Um, and it also strikes me as like how out of resources he must have been 
to recommend yeah. having a drink. Yeah. Right? That's not his, yeah. you know, not that he cares if people drink, but for him to recommend it just to feel better, he must have been fresh out of ideas. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> um, but so I don't, so I'm saying that to say that I don't know anything about you. I know a little more about Chad, but nothing about you prior to that. I don't know what your childhood was like or your upbringing or anything like that, but a lot of the things you're saying about inflammation, about cortisol, about bipolar two, um, kind of are making me think of the ACEs study. So the ACEs study is the largest public health study that was ever conducted. It was done by the CDC in conjunction with, I think, Kaiser Permanente. I might be wrong about that, but I think it's Kaiser. And um, I don't know, tens of thousands of participants. And ACEs, A-C-E, stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And what they found was um, the more they, they identified specific childhood adverse childhood experiences. And some of them are pretty obvious. Some of them are things like physical abuse and sexual abuse. And, um, but there are things on there like the absence of a loved one, either through death or divorce or like imprisonment, if they were in prison, that kind of thing. Um, some of them are things like psychological abuse, like if somebody was just overly cruel to you, even though they weren't physically abusive. So anyway, I think there's 13 of them that they identified. And what they found was that the more adverse childhood experiences a person had, the higher their risk was for a whole assortment of health problems later in life. And some of those you would predict, some of those are mental health things, right? Depression and anxiety and PTSD and uh, substance use problems, right? Alcohol and drugs, smoking, things like that. Um, then there was a host of other lifestyle related, like things like obesity and, and diabetes, um, type two diabetes, those things were in there. But what they found, which was fascinating is that people were at a higher risk for certain things that we might not have previously considered, things like um, asthma, allergies, lupus, um, heart disease, um, yeah, high blood pressure, heart disease, um, gum disease, like all these things are inflammation related and they have to do with us, you know, we have a sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic, and the sympathetic is that fight or flight or freeze kind of, but it's all adrenaline and cortisol and, you know, your digestion shuts down and your, but your blood pressure goes up and you're like on high alert, right? And then what's a, that, that nervous system is supposed to kick in during emergencies, but then it's supposed to be balanced with the, you know, so if the sympathetic is the fight or flight nervous system, the parasympathetic is what they call rest and digest, right? Like your heart rate's supposed to come down and your blood pressure comes down, you get tired, maybe you wanna sleep, you definitely get hungry and wanna eat and nourish yourself. And for people who have had trauma or adversity in childhood, it's different than us in adulthood because developmentally they're still forming. And so those events alter the trajectory of their development. And so you end up people, some people end up spending much of their lives in that sympathetic arouse kind of right 
Um, there's some people who believe, and I'm one of them, who believe that a large part of the depression we see in our society today is actually adrenal fatigue. It's people who are in fight or flight mode so much of their lives that they wore out their adre adrenal glands and that absence of adrenaline makes them feel tired and sluggish and, right? So I don't know what your background was like, but you might look up on the CDC website and read about the um, ACEs study and see if any of that sounds familiar to you. Yeah. See if it sounds like it fits. Yeah. It, it could be a piece of the puzzle in finding joy, you know? And that's what, you know, I obviously, I would like to say, I would have loved to say, oh, everything's going great now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. but, you know, I think that that's just life in general and then going through different things with kids. I just wish that there was more resources for women, like right out of the get go. You yeah. know, like you've had this baby you call us in two months if you're not feeling good. Anytime you're not, don't feel right. You know, I feel like there should be something out there because you know what it's like to have kids. It's freaking hard. It you is. Know? And when the kids are screaming when they're infants and that's a lot for a first time mother or any parent, you know? Right. And each child you add, like, you know, when you have another child, that's addition, right? You added one. Yeah. The level of chaos actually goes up by an exponent, right? Not by, yeah. not by an addition of one. You know, having another kid is like adding four more. Yes. Like, you yeah. know, and then when you go from two to three, it's like adding four more again. And yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's crazy. And then you guys were young. Yeah. You know, I had my kids, I had my first kid at 37, and I. Yeah. I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> so, still don't, you know, I'm kind of like, I hang on by a very thin thread a lot of the time. But yeah. I try real hard. <laughs> yeah, right. That's all we can do. We can try. We can try. Yeah. Well, one of the things I try to do with this podcast, right, is I try to help. I think sometimes people who have had long histories of trauma of abuse of depression of not feeling right um don't quite understand what thriving or feeling great or living you know what that really is right yeah and because the truth is everyone's got shit everybody's got problems right there's there's yeah. nobody who's immune yeah so I look at it this way I mean this is how it makes sense in my mind and I'm not by no way saying like this is the way it is like other people can see it differently and that's fine. But for me, essentially, like the universe in my experience gives very few people wonderful experience, right? Like there's very few people who just like, you know, the universe conspires in such a way that life is amazing, right? Yeah. Um, what typically happens is every so often, every couple of months or couple of years, the universe shits all over you. Yeah. And in between those periods are blank, like white sheets of paper, they're blank, right? And so how good you feel in the world and how much you're thriving is very much about what you do in those, in those blank periods, in those blank pieces of paper, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
because two things. The first is the more you can find joy and have gratitude and get your nutrition dialed in and your exercise dialed in and, and treat yourself well in those plane periods, then just naturally, the more of your life you're going to spend feeling good. Yeah. But it also builds the resilience. I think of like old video games like Street Fighter, where you had that bar over your, every time your yeah. guy hit, you would lose some of his life, right? So you'd have to play defense a little bit, let that bar build back up. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So in the blank times, the more you're eating right, connecting with loved ones, getting enough rest, hydrating, finding joy and gratitude, and the more your life bar builds up. So the next time the universe shits on you, you're more resilient and capable of handling it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so... And so it's a tricky thing, but but I what I do want to show people is that it's never just pure blissful joy without challenges. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. People who are doing the best in the world still have grief and sorrow, and you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think like for parents, when you know you're you're going through your stuff and your kids see it, you know. Um, but then there's those moments where they say something. Of course, I can't remember. Novia said something the other day, and you're like, dang, that's my kid. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> not like to a stranger. Right. Like, the one thing like with the kids is they're so they're so open to anybody. They'll talk to anybody, you know, they want to say hi to somebody. Oh, what's going on with them? Like what are they doing? What's wrong with them? You know, if they have the crutches or whatever it is. But um, I just think when you have those moments, you know, you're like, okay, even though I feel like my world is ending, at least their world's still going on. You know, they're happy. So. Right. And so, yeah. And so my hope for you is that you can get to a point where you don't need to preface it right like you don't need to qualify it with well my world may feel like it's ending right like you can just, yeah. just, you just don't even have to compare it to your world you can just sit back and take pleasure in it you know? yeah yeah that's right it's good words there yeah so i'm wondering how this experience was for you i know you were on chad's podcast oh that was a few years back and you were still kind of in the, in the middle of everything you just talked about. Yeah. So I'm wondering what this was like for you to come on and just talk about kind of start to finish from the last five, six years. Um, I, I know like for sure there's, it would take me a long time. I feel like to say every, you know what I mean? Go from detail to detail. So I think coming to it, um, yeah, I don't, it's just hard to say, talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just wish I was a little further, you know? Yeah, but, we are. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of my, like, this is adding more to it. Like I, I worked at a school, you know, for three years mm -hmm. and 
like I talked about, like I gave everything to that school, you know, and towards the end of it, it just got so bad where you, you thought you were helping, you thought you were doing so much good for it, but the, the other person saw none of that, you know, it was that things like that, I think over the past two years have really just shit, you know, that really took a dump on my stress and stuff. Undervalued and unappreciated. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, like, I honestly don't know, like, how this past few years I've just functioned, you know, and like, how have I been able to function? And I think it's bad too, because some days at work when I would be coming in, I I never would just not come to work. I didn't know how to do that, you know? And um, I remember there are days where I just, I just couldn't handle the day and they would have to say, Jane, you have to go home. You're not staying here. We will be fine, leave, you know? And it that's like, though I would have to get to those days to even get a break. But then is that really a break? Because you're just, you know, going through your emotions and stuff. Yeah. Um, right. But, yeah. And my um, my therapist, I talked to her last week, and a lot's happened in a few months, too. Um, and, you know, when you look at somebody, you're like, are you Okay. You know, it's like, doesn't seem like you're okay. And you're like, oh shit, no, I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. you're like, oh, I thought it was okay, but no, not when I saw you. <laughs> you know? Um, but she she resigned from her position, so I'll have to find a new one. <laughs> Which that sucks, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to go um just back through that and stuff. Cassius fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know going through that and then like at my work I was always like the front person saying good good morning to the parents um helping the parents you know it's a small school but 60 families so there's a lot for you to do and um and so after a while you start realizing they're like how are you doing and I, my answer was like, oh, I'm okay. Like, it's been that, that's been my answer for a long time. It's like, man, maybe can't you just say like, I'm good. It sounds like you're so depressed all the time. Like, that's what I'm having my talks to myself, you know? And, um, and that just, that sucks that you start to realize those little things about yourself um, and that you're just, just trying to make it through the next moment, moment to the next, you know? There was something else I was gonna say, but I forgot. I forgot what it was. That's okay. Yeah. You know, at, at the risk of sounding therapisty, I have a hard time turning that off sometimes. Yeah. But at the risk of sounding therapisty, you know, um, another piece that sort of jives with that ACES study is you said a bunch of things that sound like um, 
you know, they sound like they fall into the domain of, of self-compassion. Uh -huh. so, um, you know, you have a tendency to find an, an area where you get external, you know, you get a, approval from an external source, which by the way, like, I'm not one of those people, there are people who will say like, oh, you know, it only matters that you, you know, love yourself and screw at other people. I, I get the sentiment, I see what they're coming from, but we are social beings, right? And so having some, not, not everybody needs to love you, but having some community where you feel welcomed and wanted is important. And so I'm not trying to deny that, but from kickboxing to work to Chad, there's been a lot of um, uh, instances where you talk about throwing yourself into the relationship with him, into the kickboxing, into work, and sort of getting you know approval from an external source, getting a sense of being wanted and, and valued, right? Uh, and being really hurt in instances where you felt unwanted or unvalued. But you talk about like your internal dialogues and your internal decisions as being kind of cruel. Like, I don't, I don't know if you would treat anyone else on planet earth, right? That like anybody else who needed a day off from work, you'd be like, take a sick day. Yeah. Anybody else who like, if a parent said, how are you today? And they said, oh, okay. You know, anybody else who said, no, it's okay. Like, you know, it's all right to be yeah, like, I get it. You don't want to dump all your problems on a parent at work or whatever. That's not the yeah. place for it, but it's okay to be kind of honest about things. Yeah. 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 I think I've been more honest. And, you know, like reading through stuff. Um, one of the things um, I can't remember what it was, but Pia was talking about you know, people who want to stay in your life will stay in your life. And this is, this is who I am. This is the raw part that you don't, you know, some people don't want to see or they, they just don't want to, don't want to be part of. And that's fine. Like, that's a-okay. But then I think sometimes um, seeing the raw part, you're like, oh, shit, you know? Well, and, and what I would say is, like, for like you in this instance, it could be anybody, but in this instance, we're talking about you. Uh -huh. I think if anybody thinks it feels nice, it feels good to be appreciated for doing well, right? Like, so if you're knocking it out of the park at work, if you're winning your first kickboxing match, right? If you And you get appreciated for that and you think that feels good, try being loved and wanted by somebody who's seen you at your worst, right? That feels even better. That's... Yeah. Like that's what's up. The problem is you can't have that unless you see let people see, and and not everyone. Not everyone deserves to see the real you, right? But the right people, right? If you can't let them see what's real and what's happening, then you can't have that amazing experience of that's actually. And as a mom, you know this with your kids. That's actually what it means to be loved unconditionally. Yeah. Is that at your worst? you're still up and wanted, you know? And so, you know, it's nice. It's nice to do well and be noticed for it and to win prizes and have medals and trophies and have people praise you for, but you see this all the time. Like if you're into, um, I think it happens, it's more obvious 
maybe. I don't know that it doesn't happen in other circumstances, but it's probably more obvious in sports where there's like individual sports, right? Like, so like MMA is a good one, like mixed martial arts, right? Or okay. boxing or whatever, where you have somebody who trains and not that they don't have a team, but you know, here they are training to be a champion, to be a champion, to be a champion, to be a champion. And they win a belt, right? They win a champion and they become champion of a weight division. And it just doesn't fill the, doesn't fill the void, you know, right? It doesn't, it's not there. If you, um, do you know Elliot Marshall? Yeah. 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 So Elliot Marshall has a great podcast too called the, um, the gospel of fire. It's also the name of the book he wrote. And, um, and so Elliot was a MMA fighter and, and he's a jujitsu phenom, right? He's been to ADCC and achieved all kinds of incredible things in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And that's one of the things he talks about on his podcast is like, you know, cause he's interviewed, he, you know, he trains a lot of MMA fighters. He trains Curtis Blades and he trains um, Neil Magny and a lot of those guys. And he's always saying like, okay, so you win the title on Saturday night. What happens on Sunday morning? Yeah. Right? Like be the champion of your family, be the champion of, yourself you know it's it's great to succeed in your career and if mma is your career by all means be a champion but don't let that be the thing right because yeah. that goes away quickly and yeah. yeah yeah and i think now too is like when i think about stuff like the one thing is hard for me when i i felt a lot better when i gave up social media like yeah. not seeing things on there because then once you start seeing things about a person, you're like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what they're doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you start caring or I don't do this, but I have other friends who are like, well, I sent them a message and they didn't respond or this person didn't like my photo. What's going on? You know, stupid stuff like that where I just don't want to care. I don't want to know what's going in your, on in your life. And maybe that was me protecting myself. Mm -hmm. just closing myself off you know there was a few people that during those like times that I would talk to it was very few you know but like you're saying you only wanted to let in a few people the right people right right yeah and some people are lucky to have a lot some people only need a few yeah Um, right as long as the number's not zero I don't think it really matters right like whether you were 20 right yeah yeah So um, I lose my train of thought a lot lately. I lost it. (laughs) That's okay. Sorry. Yeah. Feel guilty. I went on a little rant there. Maybe. No, you're. (laughs) You're fine. It's good. It's good to hear it. Sometimes you just need to hear it from other people. You know. That's the part that sucks when certain situations you want to hear it from somebody else instead of your spouse or whatever. Yeah, I just, it just struck me as we're talking, you know, so, um, so one of the things like, so I don't pre-script the um, podcast at all, right? You can attest to that. We spent 10 minutes before we started of just like, hey, I'm gonna introduce you and you tell your story. And aside from that, I don't do a whole lot of like prep or here's what we're gonna talk about here because I like it to be organic and I like it to be authentic. Yeah. Um, And so um, 
what's interesting to me, and it's not at all criticism. I don't, I'm hoping you can hear it for yeah. what it is, is that I was anticipating this conversation going very differently because, uh -huh. um, because to me, from where I sit, like I, I get that you're still working on things and I, nobody's ever done, right? Yeah. And you're young, right? You're in your thirties, like, yeah. um, but to me, like my perception is that you are, you know, you know, Cassius was saying he's a superhero. I see you as being incredibly resilient and strong like a superhero and having overcome tremendous things. And, and I feel like, you know, I feel like when you're looking ahead, like when you're climbing Pike's Peak or whatever, and you're looking at the summit, you're like, holy shit, I've got so far to go and I've got so much work to do. But if you just turn around, right, and look down, you're like, holy shit, I've come a long fucking way. Yeah. And, and that's what I see, you know, that's, and so I was, I had to, I was almost like a kind of anticipating you talking about having gone through really hard times and being like, oh yeah, things are so much better. Yeah. And, and it's okay. Like, it's okay that it didn't go that way. I'm not trying to criticize, yeah. but, but I, I expected that because of my perceptions, right? Like yeah. I see you and Chad to also as like having overcome tremendous adversity. Yeah. And I don't think that's a misperception. I think that's accurate. Yeah. No. Yeah. You've seen it, you know? Yeah. So yeah, everybody's still working. Everybody's still got things to, to accomplish, but yeah. 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 It's I'll tell you what, at some point, um I want to have you back on because um what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to you again when you're in a place where you're more willing to give yourself credit for the things that you've that you've overcome. Yeah. Because you deserve that and you deserve a public forum. <laughs> Broadcast it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully I'll come there mentally, get there sooner than expected. <laughs> well, and I mean, there is no deadline, right? Sooner or later, like, you know, I mean, yeah. you've come a long way from daily suicidal, yeah. right? I mean, yeah. come a long way from that. You've got this beautiful kiddo sitting in your lap, you know? And uh, when I first, when we first met, he was, you were pregnant with him, so. Yeah. Um, I don't even, I may have met you a little bit before you were pregnant with him, I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, I I would go there and um, go to the gym and see you guys. I wasn't doing it. I was yeah. alive. Well, but I met you at the house at your house first. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. did. So. We came over and hung out. <laughs> yeah. That was fun. So. The cat on the desk. <laughs> always. <laughs> That's what cats do. <laughs> Dogs and cats. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I don't have cats, but I've got two dogs and kids, and so it's like that too. Yeah. 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 Just trying to think if there's anything else to share, you know. But I think 
you know, the big thing too for for women and stuff. Like you don't, it's okay to not have your shit together. Um, it's okay. It's okay to have break. Obviously, it's okay to have breakdowns because we all do it. Y'all need a break. Um, but if someone judges you off of you not having your shit together, then that's not somebody you need, you know. Not your person, right. Not your person. So fight, move on to the next, you know, if you can. Yeah. I know it's hard for people to do that. But yeah. as I get older, I mean, so I, I have the benefit of having had some like honest to goodness education in this area, right? And so yeah. I went to school and learned all about the research and and I, I specialized in areas of diversity and gender and so I looked at a lot of that yeah it's just as I get older and I'm in the world more it's getting clearer and clearer to me that we've created this society and I think there's a lot of things right with our society listen I'm a veteran I love you know I'm grateful to have grown up in the United States I think the United States is far from perfect in a lot of ways but man, there's not too many other places on planet earth that I would have rather been. So yeah. I'm, I'm not totally down on it either, right? Yeah. Um, but our society, and I, and I think a lot of societies are like this. I don't think we're unique, but we've created this environment. And, and, and I wanna preface this by saying, if you look back through history, like I don't think this, what I'm about to say, I don't think we've had like evildoers twisting their mustache and their black hats, creating a toxic society. I think it, it came from people coming from other countries, having nothing and having to build a life and you know, going through the Great Depression and going through multiple wars, world wars. And, and, um, and so I think people always did the best they could, right? That's my sense is everybody's always done the best they could with what they had. But we've yeah. come to this place where um, women are, you know, sort of, so objectified and, and it's very easy to be like oh they're objectified sexually but even in cases where they're not necessarily being sexually objectified at least not overtly like they've just become you know the the root of the word objectified is object they've become objects where they're they're just not a allowed to have any sort of um human-like you know, quality, right? You're not allowed to have bad breath in the morning, not allowed to have your hair be a mess, not allowed yeah. to, right? Like, yeah. You know, um, I once heard someone say, and I think it's absolutely true, that if every woman in the United States woke up tomorrow morning, looked in the mirror and felt happy about who they were, that it would absolutely devastate our economy. Like we would never recover. Yeah. Between cosmetics and hair dyes and corrective clothing and surgeries and therapists and right and so our like our society in a way hinges on women feeling like they're not good enough and having to to and conversely men have it a little better but like we're allowed to break down but we're only allowed to break down if it looks like anger and aggression yeah like we're allowed to get into fights we're allowed to scream and yell and curse we're allowed to break things 
but we're not allowed to cry. We're not allowed to need some compassion. We're not allowed to, you know, experience shame and, and, you know, be authentic and real and, you know, not allowed to wear a coat if it's cold, not allowed to carry an umbrella if it's raining, right? All those things, but you are allowed to be, and you're not even allowed to be happy. You know, if you're a man, you can be okay or you can be angry. Yeah. Right. And if you're female, generally, you're allowed to be one of those things. You're allowed to be okay. Yeah. Well, the man you encounter tells you smile, it's pretty, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think socially we've created these dynamics and, and the courage to like come on and be real like you just did. And what I'm trying to, to help create a vehicle to show people is badly needed, right? It's badly needed. Yeah. Like, I don't know where it is. It's under the bed. Oh. He pushed it under the bed, I think. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so, and that's not to say everyone's like that or to like make broad generalizations, but I think the more we can learn to see through the matrix, right? And like yeah. learn to see that stuff, the more we can choose to reject it. Yeah. Yeah. I, for sure. And, you know, this is another thing that it's, you know, I think of little things like for me, um, I used to going through the, um, the medicine increases obviously sometimes you get other side effects so I started I've had panic attacks now or used to never have those or I've got anxiety attacks or I just worry about weird weird things you know I I still like constantly have weird thoughts in my head and I just tell myself like oh you need to get that go, go away right. um but oh, I had a point of where I was going with that is it happens to me all the time. I just lose it. I had something and I lost it. No, that's okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going to try to, hopefully this feels like a, a gift because yeah. um, I think when we're trying to get our well-being dialed in, and I use the word well-being uh, purposefully, right? Because I'm not i mean i i think there's a, a time and a place for specialists right like yeah. if you are you know doing jujitsu and you get your knee torn up in a heel hook or something yeah you need an orthopedist right like that's yeah what you want um and i do think that if you're you know having suicidal thoughts and you you want to talk to somebody who's well trained to handle difficult content like that right so a therapist yeah. sort but when we talk about feeling good on like as a as our general day-to-day -day experience uh -huh. um i think well-being kind of covers it because it's got to be all of your systems your immune system your digestive system your psycho-emotional system your social network your muscular skeletal system your you know, cardiorespiratory system they all have to be cared for right yeah and so, um, like when you talk about having panic attacks and sometimes having these anxious thoughts and other things, I think 
for a period of time, right? It's almost like it's like playing chess or or like jujitsu a little bit, right? Like when you're playing chess, like sometimes you give up a piece to like further your strategy. Yeah, you're, yeah. Uh, in jujitsu, sometimes you you know you bait you 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 take a risk in order for a later payoff, right? Yeah. And so I think sometimes on the road, especially if you weren't raised with like, here's how you take care of all these different systems, right? Yeah. Which most of us weren't. We yeah. certainly weren't raised with, here's how you take care of your emotions. Right? <laughs> We've been raised with, here's how to like take care of your physical being, but yeah. not your emotion. I think, <laughs> yeah. So I think for a while, it's got to be like some decision making has to be like, well, instead of like, well, now I got these panic attacks, I have to get rid of those. It's like, well, I'm sort of faced with the choice of panic attacks or daily suicidal thinking. Panic attacks are a step up. That's yeah. Right. At some point, I'll be faced with the choice between panic attacks or just some like nondescript excessive worry and anxiety. Well, I'm going to take the excessive worry and anxiety or the panic, right? Yeah. So it's sort of like, it doesn't go from like daily suicidal thinking to nothing to like, I'm great. Yeah. This is just part of the, it's a stop on the road, you know? Yeah. And could, could mean medication changes, could mean therapy changes. It could mean diet changes, but as you dial it all in, that road should continue. Start to find the correct path. Well, I think you're on the correct path, right? Like, yeah. You know, there's a saying in Judaism that says, if you're wondering which is the correct path, you're on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're right. You know, so like, I, I know it's very appealing to be just outcome based. Like, well, I have this vision in my head of what I look like healthy and I'm not there. So, I'm yeah. you know, yeah. But I think sometimes it's really important to have like a process focus and be like, well, Six years ago until now, I've overcome a lot and I'm doing a lot. I'm better than I was. And no, maybe I'm not done, right? Not yeah. impressed on my laurels yet, but I can give myself some credit and I value myself for the things I've done, you know, and that I'm continuing to do. Uh, yeah, I need to focus on some things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm going to give you aside from the aces i'm going to give you one more thing you can look up and, I, and i'm giving it not just to you but i imagine that however many people listen to or watch this podcast i'm going to imagine that every single one of them will benefit from this resource yeah and so um there's an, a website called selfcompassion.org so it's self-compassion with a hyphen self-compassion.org and it's um, the website for Dr. Kristen Neff. She, N-E-F-F is her last name, Kristen Neff. And she is, most people know Brene Brown, right? Most people have heard of Brene Brown. Kristen Neff is to self-compassion, what Brene Brown is to vulnerability and shame. Okay. And um, she's got tons of resources on that website, tons of things you can read, a newsletter you can sign up for. The other thing she has that's kind of interesting is an assessment you can take. Okay. You see, because self-compassion has a few different domains, right? And one of those domains we talked about is called common humanity. 
Do I treat myself the way I would treat any common human being? Right. And yeah, one of the domains is there's three domains. One of them is common humanity. One of them is, I think, kindness versus self-criticism. Okay. And I think one of them is over like um over identification. Okay. So like when I do things wrong, do I over identify with the error as part of my character? Okay. Right? And um you can actually take this assessment and get like honest to goodness scores. Yeah. Like areas where like, oh well, maybe I need to work on that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and um and you might be surprised to find out through your experience how intimately linked something like self-compassion is to something like bipolar two disorder or panic attacks or, right? I mean, there's a ton of research, but there's also a ton of anecdotal and experiential evidence that increase self-compassion. And, and people do people get worried like no if I'm too compassionate with my if I'm not hard on myself I'm gonna lose my edge or I'm gonna get soft or I'm gonna be complacent and the research doesn't support that you know the research actually suggests that people who practice self-compassion achieve more than people who are hard on themselves yeah you know people they did a study at some university and it was a, one of the higher, like maybe one of the Ivy Leagues, I don't remember. It was a hard university to get into. And they took groups of people and they gave them a vocabulary test like you'd see on the SATs. And it was designed for them to fail. It was supposed to be a hard test. Yeah. And with one group, they coached them on self-compassion, like how to talk to yourself about, not, not that it's okay that you failed, like it, it stinks that you failed, but it's okay. Everybody fails a test once in a while that kind of compassion, right? Yeah. And they the other group, they didn't coach at all. And um, the assumption was that if they didn't coach them, that they were more likely to be critical, right? Okay. You're not, in research, you're not allowed to coach people to be critical on themselves because it's unethical, psychological yeah. harm. Yeah. But, but the idea was if we don't say anything to them, just a control group, that most of them are probably going to go home and be like, oh, I'm such a fucking idiot. I can't believe they're going to be self-critical. And then they allowed them to retake the test and they measured how much time and energy each group put into studying for the retest. And what they found was the self-compassion group studied way harder than the other group. Oh, wow. And we think the reason is because if, if every time you open up the book to study, it just reminds you of what a fucking idiot you are and how you couldn't pass the test and how you, we get motivated to avoid it. Yeah. Where if it's okay, it's okay that we failed. We just got to kind of buckle down and rethink our study strategy. It's, it's not a threat to our, it's not shameful, right? To yeah. approach it. And so self-compassion has been linked very closely with improvements in other areas of mental health. So, <laughs> so check out that website and hopefully there's a couple of tidbits in there that that you'll find useful yeah no it's self it's self semicolon compassion or no self doubt what's the email again or the oh the website selfcompassion.org Yeah, no, I mean, any, I feel like lately I haven't had 
I haven't had time because I was so involved with work and, you know, how the economy is, people quitting and going. Sure. And, um, and so I haven't had a lot of time of talking to anybody, really. You know, I had taken a little bit of a break. I had talked to my therapist in August, October and November. Like, it's only been a few. And you can tell just from, like, that gap that um, in some ways I've gone down, like, being a little more uplifting about myself. Um but so just hearing this information at times, you know, you just get, you just don't have any more resources. Right. You're just sitting there like, I don't know. I don't know today and I don't know tomorrow either, you know. So it's nice to have resources because I'm not a resource finder. That's Chad. <laughs> yeah, that is Chad. <laughs> uh, you have me and you can always... Um, you can hit me on Messenger or text me or whatever, always, anytime. Thank you. I do. I love you and I love Chad and I love your children. And, you know, even when we don't see each other too much, you guys are, in my eyes, are family to me. So, yes. Um, you can always hit me up. And, and I'm so appreciative that you came on and spent some time talking about this. My hope, you know, my hope is always that this podcast is helping people in general. Um, one of the reasons I chose to do it is because when I started coaching, um, switching from therapy to coaching, uh-huh. I had a real dilemma between like feeling like, you know, with my training and experience that my time is valuable and wanting to make a living doing this, but yeah. also understanding that like there are some people who could really benefit from some of this information who just can't afford a private coach. And so this podcast is one of the ways I try to put information out in the world at no charge, right? It's just, it's on Spotify, it's on Apple, it's on Google, and it's on YouTube. And that way, um, people can have some value from it and learn some things. And, and if people wanted to contact me that, that you know, and ask questions, and then that's fine too. But I wanted to have resources for people who um, might not be able to afford the luxury of a one-on-one coach. But I'm also hopeful that this has been somewhat cathartic and therapeutic for you to come on and talk because yeah. you've accomplished so much. And the fact that there's maybe still some distance to go doesn't minimize that. It doesn't undo it or invalidate it in any way. You deserve to be proud of what you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I'm proud of what you've done. Yeah. (laughs) Have any like final thoughts or things that you want to leave with anybody who might be listening before we wrap up? Um, There's always one person who wants to listen to you. So don't feel like there's nobody. Yeah, for sure. And and keep trying until you find that person. Yeah, keep trying. Yeah. Yeah. Just because you found a few of the wrong people doesn't mean the right people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was, um, there's dog hair everywhere because we have a new dog. I hate it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, there was, Chad's obviously been there through lots of different, lots of things, you know, almost 10 years. But, you know, a friend, there's lots of different friends who, you know, where I'm having a bad day 
and they're there. They show up, you know, they drop what they're doing to be there for you. And, um, and I think that's good. Um, but another, what I was going on to was that there were so many times where I didn't want to call anybody and I wouldn't. And then you just make yourself worse by, you know, you just yeah. go down. Yeah. Those are the moments where shame wins, right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Shame win. Yeah. So. <laughs> I appreciate your courage and, and your authenticity so much. And I really value you coming on. And, and I want to have you on again down the road a bit. Yeah. We need to and chat together. We'll see. Yeah. You can talk and see what you guys want to do. Yeah. Um, I think it's, you know, as much as everyone loves to hear the happy ending about the person who had a really hard time and now everything is great, I think there's real value in seeing somebody who's overcome so much and is still working. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to still be working, right? Like, yeah. And um, and so what I'll say is anybody who wants to contact Jade or um, get in touch with her, ask her questions about this podcast or leave a message or anything like that, um, we'll probably do that through me because Jade doesn't have like a professional email or contact. Um, she's, you know, not working at the Montessori school at the moment. And so um, I'll give out, you know, my information and I'll pass any messages along to Jade. So um, for me, um, the best place to find me is uh, through Facebook. And um, on Facebook, I've got my um, page is... Um, Growth and Thriving LLC is the page. Uh, we have three groups on Facebook, three communities that we run. One is Growth and Thriving After Trauma. The second is Thriving Fathers, Parenting After Trauma. And the third is Leadership Skills for Survivor. Um, I personally on Facebook am Jerry Sunshine Novak, also on Instagram, Jerry Sunshine Novak. Uh, and you can just get message me, leave me a message, leave a message in any of those groups or communities, and I will pass them along to Jade. Um, I want to thank Jade for her time, which is, I know, a valuable commodity. Um, and I want to thank everyone who devotes their time to listening, whether they listen on Spotify or Apple or Google, uh, and certainly for anyone who watches the podcast on YouTube. Uh, the YouTube page is also Growth and Thriving LLC. So thank you so much to everyone who uh, makes this possible and successful. And um, for the moment, I'll say Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak signing off and keep growing until you're thriving. Thank you. Thank you.